This hearing and oversight work has a simple idea at its core. Unidentified aerial phenomena are a potential national security threat, and they need to be treated that way. For too long, the stigma Last month, some mighty and seemingly impossible news broke about human life. That means state leaders, especially in the United States, will probably focus more these days on human life issues. But what about supposed life that is not human? Once again, we are talking about them aliens. Last May, the U.S. Congress held a hearing about evidence for UFOs, or lack thereof. Either way, they had expert witnesses and non-revelations and subtle revelations and everything. In the future, will national leaders give us the revelation that some science fiction assumes we will discover? Welcome aboard Fantastical Truth, the podcast from lorehaven.com in which we explore fantastical stories for God's glory and apply their meanings to the real world Christ calls us to serve. I'm E. Stephen Burnett, Lorehaven's publisher, author, speaker, the pop culture parent, all the rest of it. And today I am the solo captain of this unidentified flying object. And this is episode 119. Will Congress disclose the UFOs our favorite alien stories ask us to believe? As I said, I'm flying solo. Uh, Zach is out of town. Uh, he's not taking an airborne conveyance. I think it's a, a family trip going on. Both of us are actually going out of town, taking turns through the month of July in this year, 2022. So the format will be interrupted, uh, not by any blank episodes uh, this coming month, uh, but you may get just me one episode. You may get Zach one episode. We may have a rerun. We may have a clip show. Who knows? You got to save money sometimes, but we are still working to bring you the best of Christian-made fantasy and in-depth explorations like this one. This is the latest entry in our Armies of the Alien series. It's kind of a series within a series here on Fantastical Truth. Zach is usually the captain there, and you will hear him in our interview uh, because we are bringing back uh, Colin Samuel, a guest previously on the podcast, uh, to deal with the more recent news we had going on with this hearing in May. Zach knows more about it. I know more about our first sponsor for this episode, which is Oasis Audio. For more than 20 years, Oasis Audio has been creating audiobooks from many creators. Now they are the top publisher for Christian and inspirational audiobooks in America. Just this year, Oasis also acquired Enclave Publishing. They are helping to create not only more of these Christian-made fantastical novels, but audio versions of all of these Enclave titles. What other tales can you find in the Oasis world? Try the classic Starts series of adaptations from great literature, or seek out Edgar Rice Burroughs' classic Tarzan series, or Frankie Peretti's The Cooper Kids Adventure series. They even have the Boxcar Children mysteries and even George MacDonald's Fantasties. That's the book that we at Lorehaven are exploring in July 2022 for our next book quest in the Lorehaven Guild. That should have already started by the time you hear this episode. To find these stories, visit oasisaudio.com and be sure to follow Oasis Audio on social media like Instagram. You can get all those links in our show notes. And as always, you can also go to lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsor. From there, I hear a strange sound and some weird theme music that we're not allowed to play here because of copyright. Let's go introduce our guest, Colin Samuel. Colin Samuel has just touched down by way of transportation over a black triangle. He has been the pastor of Great Basin Reformed Presbyterian Church since April 2019. 
originally hails from the Detroit area where he was converted to Christ in 2005. And soon afterwards, he felt the call to ministry and began to pursue his education for the ministry. So he graduated from Kuiper College in Grand Rapids in 2009, moved to Sacramento where he attended City Seminary. He got his MDiv in 2016 and served as pulpit supply in the RCUS. He's worked with the Pacific Coast Presbytery until he received the call to pastor the congregation in early 2019. Today, he's husband to Shauna and the proud father of their four children. Colin, thanks for coming back to Fantastical Truth to explore aliens, UFOs, motives, cults, religions, all the weirdness that points to greater truths. Of course, I'm, I'm glad to be here again. Looking forward to getting weird with you. Oh yeah, this is this is weird central. I get I get to fly my freak flag. You know, my kids are singing that song right now because of uh, Shrek, and uh, this is definitely when we get the freak flag out because mm-hmm. this is this gets freaky no matter which way you look at it. So let's just jump right in here, Colin. Uh, we had the congressional UAP hearing just a short while ago, as we record this, and that was the first hearing that Congress has had at least openly. And was it 50 years, the Project Blue Book in the uh, mm-hmm. early 70s, I believe it was, was kind of the last time that Congress wanted to take this uh, seriously. So so how exactly are they addressing this topic? Let's just kind of recap that hearing. What, what did you, what were some of the highlights you took away from it? Well, I think the main highlight to take away from the hearing is that uh, this is being taken seriously by our elected officials. Um, this is just the, still the beginning, it appears, of this conversation and this whole, uh, whether it's a discovery process where they're trying to figure this out or a disclosure process where really they know what this is and this is just the way to start the conversation to open up the can of worms. You know, which one of those it is remains to be seen. But as you said, this was the first hearing in 50 years. And last time there was a hearing, it sort of ended on the note of there's nothing really to see here. Uh, This doesn't. Yeah, swamp (laughs) gas, uh, uh, people hallucinating, having too much to drink um, or classified projects. And of course, we're not going to talk about that. Whereas in this hearing, there were several statements made, not only by members of Congress, but also by the two witnesses they were called forward from this AIMSOG organization where they indicated that this is real, it's a mystery, and they're trying to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Now, just to kind of establish the context here, so we had select members of Congress in this, uh, the Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, and a few of its members interviewing Scott Bray, who is the Deputy Director of Navy Intelligence, and Ronald Moultrie, who is Under Secretary of Defense for intelligence and S, INS. I forget what the S stands for. So USD, INS. So pretty important people from the Pentagon getting a lot of questions that a, a few times getting grilled by the, the congressmen who really did their homework. I'm not really sure what their approach or attitude here is. It's like, because they really didn't disclose a whole lot. There was one video they showed, which we'll talk about. And there was one other interesting moment at the end, which we'll talk about. But it does seem like it's like the beginning of here's, you know, there's 400 incidents. First of all, that was the big thing we learned. We have 400 incidents now in our database uh, up from a hundred a year ago. And are, are, are they disclosing that these are all aliens or are they saying, Oh, we're just, we're just getting started investigating these. Like it's kind of confusing a little bit, but yeah, they, they showed one video, which <laughs> had one frame of something weird fly by a uh, Navy fighter jet that looked like a 
a flying sphere or a cube or something. What, what did you think of that moment of the uh, hearing? Well, I think it was uh, underwhelming to say the least when they pulled out a screen and, you know, queued up whatever it was they were about to show. I'm sure that many people on UFO Twitter, right? Their, their hearts were beating out of their chest. What's the new video (laughs) they're going to show us. And there was about five minutes of the staffer fumbling around trying to even get the video going and to get the freeze frame. if, If you don't know what you're looking for, you see nothing but a quick flash. And so, yeah, it took about five minutes to get the freeze frame on this, what appeared to be some sort of metallic sphere that it could be a mylar balloon, right? Right. Exactly. It's who knows if it's anything important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was funny that the video, I mean, yeah, the whole, the whole saga of trying to freeze frame, it was hilarious. Yeah. But then the fact that this is an iPhone video that the Mm -hmm. pilot literally took out his iPhone and recorded a video. And so everyone's like scratching their heads, like why in the world are you showing us an iPhone video. Don't these jets have like infrared and radar and, you know, all these advanced sensors. So what, what I heard, and I don't remember where I heard this, but it would make sense, uh, is that with these new protocols that Navy pilots have been given on how to report these things, they've been encouraged to use their iPhones to try and capture videos of these things. That way you don't deal with the issue of this was taken off of our sensors. And so if we want to share these images, it needs to go through a declassification process. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you just pull out your iPhone, take a picture, take a video, that's technically not classified unless they have you sign a non-disclosure agreement. But that can be shared open source. So uh, that might be reflective of the protocols they've actually put out. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and get this part out of the way. Representative Himes asked the DOD uh, spokesman, what do you mean by we can't explain it? Like, what what does this even mean that these are unidentified? I mean, I think that really is the heart of all this. Does unidentified mean there's just not enough information to even make a judgment call? Does unidentified mean, oh, we got a really clear look and we've got no idea what that is? Or is unidentified a lot of people think it's a euphemism for an alien spaceship or something. What did you take away from that question? And it's sort of the, what do you think their whole answer was to that? Like, why are these unidentified basically? Well, I think that is a excellent question because I think that's where a lot of misunderstandings lie that unidentified. If you say it's unidentified in the strict sense of the word, that inherently means you're talking about an alien spaceship, um, which is not, necessarily what that means. As I think back to the hearing, many on UFO Twitter and many who follow this subject were upset with some of the way the proceedings went because the the two witnesses from the government, from AIMSOG, this government office, did seem to be wa- trying to walk back this, whatever it is, disclosure process a little bit. They did say things like, well, we're confident that with more information, we will be able to explain these things. And so that goes back to the Project Blue Book line that with just more information, all of these things can fit into a neat category that isn't anything anomalous. And so 
I can't remember exactly what the answer was to that specific question, but I do think that was the general tone of what they were saying to Congress. But there's a couple things that we need to keep in mind um, with that answer, why they would say that, and um, also some other things they said that contradicted this idea that they can just explain these things away. The, The first thing we need to keep in mind is that the government's job, the military's job, is not to satisfy our idle curiosity. Their job is to do what they're told, to keep us safe. And if part of doing what they're told and keeping us safe is to find an explanation for all these things that are coming into our airspace without permission, they're going to be biased to, oh yeah, there's nothing out there that can fly around with impunity. We'll be able to explain this away. We'll find some answer that's terrestrial in origin. And again, nothing to see here. There's, this isn't a failure of securing our airspace. So it's sort of like, you know, if, if you're a boss over an organization, you ask your employees to do something, they're not going to tell you, well, I don't think we can do that. They're going to say, yeah, heck yeah, we're going to do that. Their modus operandi is going to be, we'll be able to explain these things. We'll be able to take care of it. Uh, however, They both did later on in the hearing. Some of the things they said did indicate that some of these things are hard to explain based on how they move. And they did positively say that the 2004 Tic Tac incident remains unexplained. And from what we know, beyond just the pilot testimony and the videos that have been released, that series of incidents has all sorts of data whether it's radar returns, more videos from FLIR cameras. It's a data-rich incident. So they have all the data they need about that 2004 incident, and yet they're saying they still can't explain it. So that was them lending credibility to the idea that some of these things, where we do know a lot about what happened, we don't understand and we cannot explain. So there was a bit of a contradiction in their answers, very similar yeah. to the report from last year. Right. Yeah, it it, it does kind of wiggle back and forth uh, mm-hmm. between some things. You know, the the interesting thing to me is someone, uh, I, this was uh, Representative Christian asked just clearly, are these physical objects? And I believe it was Bray said, yes, many of them are. And so, you know, right, right there, it's like, okay, we're kind of cutting through. Are these just anomalies on the radar you know are these just things that pilots are seeing and he's like no we we these are actual things uh again that's no conclusion you can draw from that these these are actual things in the air and they're they're thirty thousand feet in the air you know they're being measured by multiple sensors but early on in the the hearing i i think there was a key line from uh representative crawford who basically just took them to task and said this is an intelligence failure, you guys. Like, forget about finding aliens. Why don't we know what these 400 things are? Why are we getting these blurry images? You know, I believe his quote was, the, the images we see are challenging. And I, I think that just very politely kind of captured this frustration that just normal people are wondering, like, why do you guys not know what these things are that are coming over our country, you know, that are, in, like you said, invading our airspace? Shouldn't we kind of know what what's out there? Like, just assume these are Russian or Chinese. Like, 
isn't that important? <laughs> right. You know, just the very human side of this was very interesting to me. There's this attitude of, oh, we will explain this because we are the dominant military in the world. Nothing's going to get past us. And yet here they are kind of caught a little bit embarrassed by this, aren't they? Yeah. And I, I do think that really what it comes down to is a question of sovereignty, right? We are the dominant superpower. If anybody should be able to secure their own airspace, it should be us. And our current worldview framework of understanding things is a humanistic one. Man is the measure of all things. And the society that dominates all other societies and technological progress and cultural advancement, they are the measure of the measure of all things. Right. And so we don't want to admit that there could be other things out there that show whether it's technological advancement or some abilities that go beyond what we can comprehend, especially if it appears to be something intelligently controlled and not just some strange, hyperphysical, natural phenomenon, that would fundamentally challenge our worldview and our claims of sovereignty that we're in charge here. Well, that's what makes me wonder whether in the grand eternal scheme of things, uh, the micro outline formed by the divine novelist that's what makes me wonder if perhaps we're seeing a recurrence of a pattern that begins even in the Old Testament, where God in his sovereignty is allowing strange and often weird events uh, to humble empires. You're constantly getting, for example, the Philistines, uh, who are the mightiest nation on earth. And then in the book of First Samuel, uh, they're being humiliated by weird accidents in their temples plagues of tumors infecting their cities, you know, because they have gotten too big for their Philistine britches and they've stolen the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, later on, you have multiple invading armies in the nation of Israel who are struck with madness. Like how many times is it in the Bible where the narrative just suddenly exclaims, oh, and by the way, uh, the enemy armies of Israel just for some reason started fighting each other. Uh, and this just keeps happening. Even Nebuchadnezzar, you know, too big for his Babylonian britches. And then suddenly he has been reduced to the intellect of an animal and is crawling around in the fields eating grass. Uh, this is not to say that America equals Israel or anything like that. I don't go for, you know, America is the new Israel. We've inherited the promises. It just seems to be more of a pattern starting in the Bible that any empire, in order to stay humble, is constantly confronted with something they just can't explain. Uh, something that keeps them humble or that ought to keep us humble uh, rather than assuming uh, this humanistic impulse, as you mentioned, Colin, that, well, we're the we're the top nation in the world. We ought to at least be able to identify anything that crosses our divine uh, uh, national airspace. Colin, you, you said the really key word there, sovereignty. This really, this whole topic is a challenge to our sovereignty, both as a superpower and as a species. There's a, uh, I, I brought this up a long time ago, and I think when we first started covering this topic, uh, there's a uh, Professor Alexander Wendt who gave this TED Talk about this UFO topic. And he says that the idea that we are the apex predator in the apex species and the apex you know, government and nation state, that's actually what makes us so afraid to look into the UFO topic because what if we discover something superior to us? What, what if we discover a technology that an adversary has that we, we can't explain or, you know, work against? What if we discover an extraterrestrial or supernatural or just some natural thing 
that we have no idea how to defend against it or to outmatch it. It's a really fascinating talk that shows exactly how the just the human arrogance like plays a part in all this. So that that kind of drives the 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 debunking or just the dismissing. And there's some other factors at play we'll talk about. But one very interesting thing that uh, Scott Bray said multiple times in this hearing was, we will answer that in the closed session. <laughs> so, you know, they, they, you know, the DOD has some more answers than they are willing to say publicly. And, and some of that is about, you know, sources and methods, right? They show us the iPhone videos in the Intel, the closed session, they show the, the radar returns or the, the FLIR videos because they don't want to show that to our adversaries, you know, on C-SPAN or something. The, the places that he said this were really interesting. Krishnamurth that asked him, has studying UAPs altered our own technology? Bray said, oh, we'll talk about that in the closed session. <laughs> so it's like, okay, so th- there's some serious research, again, that they've done to this, but they don't, they don't want to talk too publicly about it. And you can understand the national security reasons, but are we afraid to look into something that might be superior to us and afraid to admit to the world that we just don't have any answers? Well, I think that's exactly what it is. And I think it's a fundamental challenge again to the modern worldview that man is the measure of all things. And even to go back to Stephen's um, observations about things in the past, whatever this phenomena is, whether it's angelic or demonic, I sort of group demonic under angelic because demons are simply fallen angels. I think sometimes we forget that. We sort of group it in with images of right little creatures in red pajamas with pitchforks. And we don't realize these are simply angels that have turned against God and are seeking to lead man astray. Whatever it is, it's all under God's sovereignty. And as Paul tells us, right, Christ has triumphed over the, the principalities and powers. And so he is ultimately sovereign over angels, both fallen and unfallen. And so if in his sovereignty, he wants to judge and humble a nation by even making or allowing, uh, to, to be more specific, these evil powers to, to mess with us, that's his prerogative. So whatever's going on spiritually behind the scenes, if we do understand this to be a spiritual phenomenon, it is a fundamental challenge to the modern secular worldview and this whole idea that We've left fairy tales behind in the past. If you still want to believe those things personally, that's fine. But then next thing you know, fairy tales are showing up at your nuclear weapon storage <laughs> facilities and switching right. them on and off. That completely undermines everything that you've built your civilization upon for the past few hundred years. So you have no choice but to cover it up. Yeah, well, and that was the, uh, the, the key takeaway from Representative uh, Tim Burchett from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. He's a big proponent of government disclosure. He's been on a lot of podcasts talking about that. And right after the hearing, he said, the cover-up will continue because <laughs> they do not want to own up to what the uh, what these secrets are. Now, you mentioned the, uh, the incident, uh, I believe it's the Malmstrom Air Force Base, where these UFOs showed up, turned off the nukes. Uh, and around the same time, they were showing up in Russia, turning on the nukes, According to the story, so, you know, this is something that's happened around the world. China is now studying these incidents. They've had their own uh, encounters. So, that you know, this is a thing going on around the world. Again, it, it's something that is challenging all of human sovereignty. 
But the interesting thing was to hear Bray and Moultrie kind of deflect like, oh, we, we've never heard of that. Are they telling the truth there? We, we don't know, but they apparently haven't looked into it. With Bray and Moultrie, that's his name? Yep. Yep. Uh, when that question was brought up by, I believe it was Representative Gallagher, the way they looked at each other going, have you heard of that? No, I haven't. <laughs> kind of reminded me of the, the two troublemakers getting pulled into the principal's office. Yep. And the, the, so I'm not accusing them of lying, but if they were, they really looked like the high school kids <laughs> who uh, got called out and did you No, no. What are you talking about? That's just sort of the vibe I got from them when, when it, they it looked a little suspicious. It did. Yeah. Well, and right on top of that question about the, uh, the UFOs and nukes incident, uh, Gallagher, and this is kind of the big topic I want to talk about today. Mike Gallagher asked, are you familiar with the Wilson memo, the Admiral Wilson memo? We'll talk about that in a minute. We'll, we'll spend our kind of middle section talking about that. But that was such a weird moment. Here is this uh, story about this kind of this UFO lore main story. And there it's being entered in the, the congressional record. And yeah, they, the way they looked at each other and they're like, oh, we've never heard of this before. And it's like, I mean, this is like the biggest topic on UFO Twitter is this memo for what three years now. So, I, I guess they don't go on Twitter, and maybe, you know, maybe they're maybe they're too busy for that. But I, I found it so interesting to see th- this guy, Mike Gallagher. I've never heard of him before, and now he's been on all these podcasts talking about it. And you know, his theory is that these are time travelers, right? It w- wasn't that the on the Pat McAfee show? Is that where he shared that? Yeah, and McAfee lost his mind when <laughs> when he said that. He called it the uh, Terminator hypothesis. Oh, there we go. And yeah, both both the hosts seemed like they were uh, quite taken back by by a congressman saying yeah. that. Which, right, five years ago, you you your future in politics would be questionable if you were saying these sorts of things publicly. Well, why don't we just dive into what that memo is all about here? So what is the Admiral Wilson memo? How has it become so central? So let me give kind of a quick summary that I've been able to put together. I I don't consider myself an expert on this at all. I've tried to listen in on a lot of the conversations about it. But according to the story, in 1997, the head of the DIA, Admiral Thomas Wilson, met with astronaut Edgar Mitchell. Navy Lieutenant Commander Will Miller, and a controversial UFO researcher, Stephen Greer. Wilson was told there is a special access program within the government researching UFOs. So then he dedicated the next two months trying to root this out. He met with the program managers who told him, yes, they have a crashed UFO and they're reverse engineering it, but no, uh, we will not give you any access (laughs) to, to study this. Now, the important thing here is that Admiral Wilson, as the head of the DIA, he is supposed to have access to all special access programs like the, the black budget or whatever, the, the, whatever you want to call it, above top secret. In any kind of like off the books program, he's supposed to at least know about it and have access. So he apparently uh, reportedly was furious about this. He escalated this uh, up the chain of command. He was then overridden and he had his career threatened. So. In 2002, he retired and shortly after this met with a Dr. Eric Davis, according to the report, who was an associate with the astronaut Edgar Mitchell through this uh, program uh, right close to where you are, Colin, in Nevada called NIDS, the National Institute for Discovery Science. 
So this was a very um, scientific look at UFOs and the supernatural funded by billionaire Robert Bigelow, uh, who is, he's been in the news for a, a lot of things related to this. So Wilson told Davis the story of what happened. Davis wrote all this down in a 15 page memo. He shared it with his colleagues within NIDS and uh, Edgar Mitchell, the astronaut hung on to this and a few others became aware of it, like a UFO researcher, Richard Dolan. And then in uh, 2016, uh, Edgar Mitchell died. And uh, this document was part of his estate. And in 2019, the document leaked onto Reddit. <laughs> and so some other people discovered it there. And, you know, for the last three years, it's been very hotly debated. Well, let's pause discussion about the Admiral Wilson memo to give you once again a memo about Realm Makers, the 2022 edition conference. It is now within weeks of coming to Atlantic City, New Jersey from July 21st through 23rd. I'm busy packing for that conference. Lorehaven's going to be there. A lot of our Lorehaven creators are going to be there. Fortunately, I don't think this year Zach will be there. I will miss him greatly. But if you can't be there in person, you can still attend. And here's how. Are you excited to take the next step in your speculative fiction journey? It's not a trip to space. It's not time travel. It's not a UFO. It's not a congressional hearing. Instead, join us for Realm Makers 2022. It's the annual writers conference. We are going to Atlantic City this time. We didn't get to in 2020 for real because of things that happened, but we're going there now this time for 2022. And you can also attend the conference live online. So even if you can't travel in July, you can see the teaching in real time because every class is going to be live streamed for virtual attendees. Either way, if you're going to the conference, you can connect on the Realm Sphere, which is a dedicated conference space, an online community. Realm Makers 2022 is also an amazing value because this year, if you go, you get access to replays of every class available through the Realm Sphere. Are you a Christian writer of fantastical fiction, not just a fan, but a creator of this fiction? Maybe you have a manuscript you want to pitch. I think you might want to talk to an agent or an editor, get some mentoring, do some networking. Either way, whether you are in person or online, you're going to get to do that at Realm Makers. Register today. See the link in our show notes for episode 119, or you can go to our lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors page. Anything I missed there in the in the summary of this document or the kind of the the lore of this incident, Colin? No, I think you you hit on all the key points. I think overall what the document, if it's real, which I I think it is, but in this whole subject, you never know where intentional disinformation has been snuck into a real document. Uh, you never know if there's a, a another agenda at work, but I, I, for the most part, think this is a real document. The the What this really shows as far as the lore goes is this whole idea that there is a black budget world that's above top secret, which is something that Stephen Greer, whom you mentioned, has always maintained, that people like Hal Putoff who's been big in this disclosure movement, Kit Green, all the TTSA people, they may be inside the government researching this, but they're similar to you and I, and that they have an interest in this subject. They know it's real. They have access to more information, but they themselves are trying to figure out what's going on. And they've come up against this deeper layer, right? Kind of like a deep state where 
core information, whether it's reverse engineered technology, crash retrievals, all of these things are being held in the hands of private corporations. And so many maintain that these men who've kind of led this public disclosure process, what they're trying to do is rally Congress and other members of the government to get these secret access programs back under congressional control. Mm-hmm. And so if if the Wilson Davis notes are real, it lends a lot of credibility to the idea that that's what's going on. And if that is what's going on, I think every American citizen should say, yeah, yeah, we mm-hmm. have a right to know these things are going on. There's technology that could benefit all of us. Some private corporation doesn't have the right to squirrel that away from the government and then keep it to themselves. So it, it has huge implications, but it really does justify that part of the UFO lore, uh, the real deep men in black type stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Huge implications. And the interesting thing was to hear how Representative Gallagher even addressed this. He said he brought up the memo, he gave a short description of it, and he asked, you know, the, the Pentagon witnesses, uh, can you, you know, basically, can you tell me if this is even true or not? Like I'm I'm asking you, you know, the experts here, should I just throw this away? Is it just internet fiction? Basically, is it just a story on Reddit? Or is it is it actually pointing to something? Um, now, the interesting thing is um, Dr. Eric Davis, who supposedly wrote this, he has never denied that he wrote it. He's been interviewed a couple of times. He's, he's essentially alluded that, yes, it is a real document or that it, I think all he's committed to is that this did come from Edgar Mitchell's estate. So then it's like, well, how did that get in an astronaut's you know, collection of documents? Well, they work together. So that, that's how he got it. That's the simplest explanation. Now, that's all that we can really say for sure, because Admiral Wilson has been asked about this. He's still alive, and he flat out denies it. Now, the interesting thing is in the, in the supposed interview, he tells Davis, oh, yeah, if anyone ever asks me about this, I will absolutely deny it. <laughs> so then that kind of feeds the, I don't know, the conspiracy angle, for lack of a better term. It's like, well, we know it's real because he says it's not real, you know? And so this is where I'm like, I I don't know what to think of this. A a few other data points in this whole history with the Wilson Davis notes give some credibility to the idea that something's going on here. First, from my understanding, Admiral Wilson did say that he did meet with Stephen Greer and these other researchers which supposedly led to him going on this wild goose chase, trying to get access to these special access programs. So he has said that that meeting did happen, but he sort of downplayed it. Okay, I met with some UFO researchers. I talked to all sorts of people. They said some interesting things, but I told them that, you know, even if there was a program, you know, I wouldn't go trying to ruffle feathers about it. So the the meeting that supposedly led to him going on this wild goose chase that he then reported back to Eric Davis about, which is the dialogue that's recorded in these notes, that did happen. There's a couple other things, too, about the notes that 
you know, you can triangulate some data points that, okay, this does seem plausible that this happened. But I think not only Admiral Wilson's denial, but Eric Davis refusing to comment. If, if, if this was complete nonsense, why wouldn't Davis just also deny? Right. So Davis just says no comment, don't want to talk about it. And Admiral Wilson's doing exactly what he said he would do in these supposed notes, which is deny everything. One last thing. In 2021, uh, I believe this is the article, New York Times did a article on the briefings that members of Congress were getting behind closed doors. And the, the title of the article is No Longer in Shadows, Pentagon UFO Unit Will Make Some of Its Findings Public. I believe that it is that article, although it might be uh, another one titled Why the Truth Has Not Always Been Out There. It, it's behind a paywall, so I can't read it. It was the summer of 2021 where in one of these articles that the New York Times did, they quote Eric Davis and basically imply he was one of the people that briefed members of Congress. And he mentioned technology not made by human hands. And that is lifted straight from the Wilson Davis notes. That's that's aligned. Technology not made by human hands. That's that's a direct quote. So we're not talking about uh, 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 the enemy nations, anything like that. Like that is that is the actual phrase, just to reiterate. Yes. Yeah, it, it is not. Okay. This has nothing to do with with uh, foreign governments. It's technology not made with human hands, which is the closest you can get to saying it's alien. We don't know what other dimensions, other solar systems, but uh, intelligent beings who are not human. Not to throw you off too much, but how would we be able to tell by looking at any theories from either of you? How would we be able to tell by looking at technology? Oh, something else made that, you know, and not a cow with a crowbar, like something that obviously has to be sentient enough, technologically aware enough to make a flying ship. This is tied in, in another topic. I, I don't want to get into a whole lot, but it's the Bob Lazar story. So there's this gentleman that's been on the uh, Joe Rogan podcast and some other incident, uh, some other uh, interviews. He says he worked at Area 51 on secret, you know, flying saucer technology that was uh, crashed and retrieved, and uh, they're trying to reverse engineer it. And basically, what he said is that uh, this is something we can't even understand. It would be like taking a 747. And giving it to George Washington and say, here you go, you know, this will help you win the war against the British. And he, he just would have no idea how to make sense of anything in that. You know, this is before we had electricity for, for, for one thing and before even people had the idea of flight. So what, what Lazar and, and, and many others have said is that uh, this technology is something that we, we can't even understand that it is a technology in a sense. It, it's, it's just a black box and it seems to almost be magical. Um, and it seems, uh, and so the, the story goes that they've sort of shelved it for years at a time uh, because they just don't even have the science to understand it. So then you fast forward to today, this, um, you know, this government program we do know about that is real, the OSAP program that the New York times kind of broke the story about the, um, and in 2017 was a government program started in 2009 to study UFOs, the paranormal and many other things. 
So the OSAP program, one of the things they did, and one of the one of the big things that has been disclosed are these three dozen or so technical research papers. So it's like, here's how warp travel could work. Here's how cloaking could work. Here's how la- you know, laser weapons could work. And here's how faster than light teleportation could happen. And so it's all very like scientific and technical, but when you add it all up, it's like they're describing an alien spaceship. You know, they're they're describing a flying saucer, a black triangle, uh, the Starship Enterprise, or something. Like they, they have this idea in mind of some super advanced technology that's way beyond ours. Now, are they just theorizing about it, or are they trying to, you know, were they actually reverse engineering something? And you know, that's that's the debate, obviously. But you. Anyone can go out and, and find those papers. I'll, I'll see if we can link to them. But yeah, the, the implication here is that the military-industrial complex, they know way more about this stuff. They're hiding it. They're either going to you know, try to commercialize this or, or it's you know, just add it to our military superiority, keep it from our adversaries, you know, all of the above. And, uh, and so now, because this is in the um, congressional record, this Wilson memo, you know, now there's talk of putting these people on the record and, and sort of using them to get to these gatekeepers of these secrets, these, these supposed above top secret black budget program managers, getting those people on the record and basically offering them amnesty. <laughs> Cause the, um, the, the saga of the Wilson memo is that there are these government deep state types that are totally unaccountable to Congress into the American people. And they've got these secrets. They've got these secrets of the universe that they're holding back from humans. And, uh, and, but if we want to, you know, be, uh, generous, they were doing it for good reasons. And maybe they think they'll get in trouble if they talk about it. So let's give them, let's give them a pass and let's put them on the record. Yeah. And there is talk of that happening right now. I can't tell you off the top of my head who, who it's been. I think Ross Coulthard, if that's how you mm-hmm. pronounce his name, he's former reporter from 60 Minutes in Australia, who's sort of been on the, the UFO beat for a couple years now. Uh, he says he's heard that they're working on amnesty. I think Gary Nolan as well has said mm-hmm. there are going to be further hearings. He's a professor at Stanford who's contracted with the government to study some of this stuff. Uh, he he has also said that they're right now they're working on amnesty. I do have the quote from Eric Davis, and that article is the first one that I mentioned. Uh, it says Eric Davis, an astrophysicist who worked as a subcontractor and then a consultant for the Pentagon UFO program since 2007, said that in some cases, examination of the materials had so far failed to determine their source and led him to conclude we couldn't make it ourselves. So it's not the exact same language that's in the Wilson notes, but it's the same concept. And so Mm -hmm. it's interesting, two years ago, or I guess that would be one year ago, um, he reportedly briefed members of Congress and possibly said these things. And then when this hearing happened last month, one of the members of the subcommittee brings up the Wilson Davis notes. So you don't wonder whether or not Eric mentioned those notes to members of Congress, and they're well aware of everything that we've talked about. Again, it's just a matter of getting it on the record and out to the public. But 
it sh- certainly will be interesting to see what happens if they can summon people like Davis and even Admiral Wilson and others into open hearings where they're under oath and they've been given amnesty so they can answer every question without fearing reprisals because they've broken their security oaths. Yeah. And I believe the other big quote from that story in the New York times was off world vehicles. Yes. You know, yes. (laughs) So there, there again is the, the lore that there are, you know, other beings with, with greater technology than us. They, they crashed, they were shot down, they landed, you know, what, whatever the story is and that now we have it or some people have it, but they're not sharing it with us. You know, they're keeping it to themselves. And so, so there's definitely this moral angle to the story that's very interesting to me. But the other implication, you know, I started asking around on, on UFO Twitter, like, why is this even important? Like, why, why should I care about this? Um, you know, because uh, there was a, a guy named Joe that said, you know, why should my parents care about any of this? <laughs> like, it, and if my parents don't care, then why would we? And then I asked um, Ryan Robbins, a, a.k.a. Uh, UFO Jesus. His, his handle is post disclosure world. I said, what, what's the point of this? And he said, well, it's all about knowledge of our place in the universe. If indeed what's in those notes is accurate, classifying specified data is justified classifying facts about our universe. Well, it's difficult to make an argument to justify that. If we have alien artifacts, the world should know. And I, I think that really gets to the heart of why this saga resonates with a lot of people because it's, it's about that. It's knowledge of our place in the universe. It's this bigger worldview that, that people want to have. And, you know, I got to say that this, you know, with all respect to everyone, I, I think this does lead us sort of into a trap a little bit, which is what Roger Ayer calls the myth of progress. That if only we know more, if only we can do more, if only we can create better technology, you know, Technology will save us. And certainly I wouldn't mind some better transportation technology of my own, a black triangle or or something else because I flew in man, on one. Pay, yeah, paying five dollar right gas, now. not great. <laughs> not not fun. Yeah. What what is the what what is exactly the uh, fuel uh <laughs> mileage uh, per gallon? Uh, what exactly is the alternative fuel being it's used L- in that element black triangle? 118 I, or I think something? we may need that technology <laughs> reverse engineered. Yeah. Right. Not even on the periodic table. Yeah, yeah, Zach, uh, this is where I, I get in because, yeah, I think it is very interesting to see the, the religious impulses here uh, with dangers as well as some benefits. On the one hand, you've got people, as we've talked about in previous episodes of this Armies of the Aliens series within a series, uh, you've got people who are being uh, discouraged from their atheism, that there are things that we cannot see that should give you a sense of the numinous, which uh, in gospel perspective uh, should lead you to seek the creator. But if you take that feeling and you just enjoy that woo-woo feeling or that, wow, we're just a speck on a speck in the universe and isn't it grand, you know, we are nothing. Wow, so epic, man. You know, if you end with that kind of thought and do not honor the creator, uh, then you have just wasted a possible gift of God, the gift to break your emphasis on self and break your denial and break your materialism. Uh, and instead, you've just gone in for the feels and the emotions and the excitement of the chase uh, rather than chasing the origin of those gifts to their giver. Yeah. Now, um, we, it's hard to talk about this without talking about the stories, the, the popular books, TV shows and movies 
that, that lead us to believe the, I want to believe, right? Because I think we're all affected by these stories to some degree. Um, and the first one I want to start with is, uh, or the first storyteller I want to start with is Tom DeLong. He's been at the center of this for the last five years, the Blink-182 lead musician. And, and now he's uh, got this other band, Angels and Airwaves. But, you know, he was the one supposedly that met with uh, General McCasland, the uh, head of the Wright-Patterson base, very important to UFO lore, where apparently the, according to the lore, the Roswell crash saucer was taken to. Tom DeLong has met with, I mean, he really has met with General McCasland. That came out in WikiLeaks. You know, besides his uh, kind of public statements about this, what what he's doing that's very interesting is creating a lot of stories that sort of put across his theories, his ideas, his his inside knowledge and his worldview. So he started with the Secret Machines books. There's the nonfiction, but also the fiction series. And now, you know, new as of this podcast is he's coming out with a movie, Monsters of California. So, uh, Colin, did you get a chance to watch the trailer for that movie? Yes, I did. Yeah. What What did you think of that? What What's kind of your summary of that that story? And what do you think about it? It, it looks interesting. It's got his typical punk rock, edgy humor in it, and it, it sort of seems like a fusion between Stranger Things and right, like the X Files. There's going to be some overlap with UFOs, but then other strange paranormal things, and then. There is that element where he said he was going to be doing this, mixing the story with real life, because in the trailer, then somehow they encounter some Navy guy who starts telling them about ATIP. And I don't know if if the government people are trying to tell them to back off from whatever they're investigating, but it, it does seem to be that fusion of fact with fiction, which is exactly what he said his strategy was going to be going forward and how to use TTSA to be a mechanism for disclosure. The the overall quality, it looks like it's good, but I, I, it's not going to be a, a major hit, I think, at the box office. What I did hear a couple weeks back, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, he reopened opportunities for people to invest in TTSA and announced that basically legendary to the stars academy yeah, yeah to the stars academy just to be clear that's his company they are going to be working with legendary which i think they've done some of the superhero movies other big you know hollywood movies is going to be producing movies and netflix shows based off of the secret machines trilogy both the the fiction and nonfiction. And so I'm more I'm more interested to see what that material is going to look like because I think they have a bit more backing from major studios in Hollywood to get those stories out. And I've read all the books. The nonfiction is interesting, seems to be a little bit more directed against the Christian worldview in certain areas. The the fiction series are fun to read. It's not so much polemical in its approach. It's more fun. It's sci-fi mixed with conspiracy and some bigger worldview questions that are brought into the narrative. I, I think what we do need as Christians is we we need Christian storytellers yeah. who are willing to take this fascination with sci-fi and with conspiracies and with this subject 
and tie it into a biblical worldview. Lewis, I think, is a great example with the Space Trilogy. I still think the Space Trilogy is a good alternative on how to think about these things Mm -hmm. in comparison to the stuff others are putting out. Yeah, because DeLong's fiction goes beyond even conspiracy, you know, that the government's been hiding the truth for 70 years. It, It goes back into ancient, you know, Greek culture that these UFOs are beings that are, I think the term is ultra terrestrial, that they've always been here and they've always been sort of manipulating the human race and giving us just clues and little pieces of technology or it becomes very Gnostic in, mm-hmm. in a sense in that there is this sort of master species that's controlling everything and controlling human destiny uh, or there's multiples of them and they're sort of battling each other and we're caught in this proxy war. Um, you know, he has said uh, on a, I think it was Jimmy church. Uh, the first time he started talking about this publicly that, you know, when he learned the truth about aliens through his government contracts, he was so disturbed that he couldn't sleep for several days. And that, that's what intrigues me about him is that he doesn't have this like, well, once we know the truth, we'll have this great technology. It'll advance the world. We'll have, <laughs> we don't have to worry about $5 gas anymore. Um, it's like, no, uh, what's actually going on is horrifying. And it's, I almost wish I didn't know it uh, because it's some horrible secret. Because he hasn't just come out and directly said, here's what I think is really going on. He's like, I'm just going to dribble it out because I think it's so you know overwhelming that you can't just take it all at once. So that's sort of interesting to me that, that that's his approach. It's like the uh, you can't handle the truth kind of uh, uh, mentality there. Speaking of world-ending events like aliens invading or perhaps just lurking at the edges of evidence uh, just to keep things interesting for folks, Testifying before a congressional subcommittee, we're going to our third sponsor for this episode, who is author P.S. Patton. He has written a new book called The Withering, which releases on July 26th, just a few weeks from now. Here's the plot description. Their world has reached its end. The fight for their future has only just begun. The moon will soon collide with the surface of Noloro, and three orphaned teens have nothing left in the world but each other. As the apocalypse threatens to end all life on their world, Pro is desperate to protect his little brother and secure a future for themselves, while Jima falls captive to her dark past. A sardonic traveling magician offers them a way off their dying world, but at what cost? Their search for an escape will force them to face questions of flesh versus spirit, natural life versus eternal life, and physical death versus spiritual death. Family, faith, and courage are at the heart of this end-of-the-world adventure. In the vein of C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy, Patton brings questions of eternity to the forefront in this imaginative and heart-wrenching apocalyptic story. That's the plot description. Here's an endorsement from Shana Dow, who's author of the Keepers of the Balance series. This endorsement says, The Withering is a compelling story set against a stark dystopian landscape. Patton has put together a gripping scenario that combines suspense, intrigue, and a truly likable cast of characters to cheer on. The Withering isn't out yet, but it is available for pre-order now, and the book launches on July the 26th. You can get more info, of course, in the show notes for episode 119 right there near the top of the page, or you can go to lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors. Tom does intrigue me as well, because if you look at the things he posts on Twitter, he's certainly antagonistic to the Christian worldview. He doesn't hide the fact that 
his mom is a, you know, Bible thumper in his view that he was raised in an evangelical home. Uh, and he clearly doesn't have good thoughts about that upbringing. What, what's your new term for that, Stephen? Not the church back home, but uh... I'm trying to go a little bit more polite. I, I'm now <laughs> trying. I'm at least taking for a test flight the term church insecurity uh, in, in foster care. One of the things they warn you about is uh, kids who may have grown up with food insecurity. Mm. And so you need to make sure that they know from your signaling and just by keeping a fully stocked pantry that, hey, uh, this is a secure environment. There will always be food available more than you know what to do with. You don't have to hoard food. Uh, I now think that now a, a lot of people feel that way spiritually. So they have what I, I would call church insecurity. But yeah, I'm still yeah. working on it. And this, this, this sounds like a gentler way of describing uh, yeah. somebody who then takes their problems with the church back home uh, and then makes all of life, all of their religious outlook uh, based on that sense of insecurity. Yeah, and I definitely sympathize with with Tom and others that are coming from this angle because, um, you know, if if you have rejected the the Bible's teaching about our place in the universe, where we came from, why humanity exists, where we are going, um, you know, because the Bible has a very comprehensive worldview about the 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 meaning of man and the the destiny of mankind, but if you if you remove that from the equation your heart is still drawn to answers to those questions. And so now if you think, oh, well, there's a deep state, you know, a secret cabal of people that are, that have the answers, but they're not sharing it with you. I mean, that must be a very frustrating experience. Like, and, and I say that honestly, I, I think that would have to be very maddening in a sense of like, why won't you just tell us like, you know, the answers to all these questions, you know, deep state, why aren't you telling us? And then, um, and then to then look back at the church and say the, the hurt or the anger, the disappointment you felt there, it, it kind of compounds that effect in a sense. Yeah. And that's what interests me about Tom is that he is going that route. But as you said, when he thinks about the phenomenon, it's not all love and light. And if we just had the truth, the world would be a better place. Sometimes he does speak in that way. He does think that the truth getting out will change our view of things. And since we will then really know the truth about major fundamental questions, then we'll be able to progress as a culture, as a species or whatever. But he he also does say there's this dark foreboding. He has a, a deep sense of that this is also evil. and certain things behind the phenomenon are evil, seeking to trick us or lead us astray or have its way with us. So you, you still almost see a Christian cosmology where there's this mm. war in the heavens. He's yes. just taken it apart from its Christian foundation. And that would be a very, how do you put it, be a very angsty way of looking at the world yeah. to, right. to know that there's this dark presence and there isn't a personal God in control with a plan of redemption. That's what I think so much of this comes down to is you and I, right? We, we don't think any fundamental secrets being hidden from us by this subject that would fundamentally change our view of things. We know the Lord. And so the ultimate quote unquote secret has been revealed to us in the gospel, right? The eternal word of God became flesh 
and dwelt among us, and he's redeemed us from sin. And if we trust in him, then we have eternal life and a relationship with our creator. But that doesn't say I'm not interested if there is a secret black budget program to know what it is. And if these, (laughs) if there's technology that can benefit us, I mean, I do like, I hope in the future I can arrive on your podcast in a black, black triangle for real. Right. Uh, uh, Who who wouldn't want to know these things? Just like I'm interested in the, the latest theories in physics and I don't have to over spiritualize it. It's interesting. It's part of God's world. Um, but I, I think you're you're getting at something there that when you don't know God, then this fundamentally becomes religious, and then it becomes an obsession, and it can drive you mad, especially if you aren't satisfied that you've gotten the real truth. It's always mm-hmm. this hall of mirrors, right? That well, they're still hiding things from us. Yeah. Well, in in our worldview, it it has the idea of a invisible being with a superior technology, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we've talked about angels a little bit, but you think about the things that we've seen angels do in, in the Bible that they ride on chariots of fire, right? So they have these vehicles of some kind that fly around when we see an even weirder version of that in Ezekiel with the wheel within the wheel. Um, We see that they have swords that can slay lots of people. Uh, We see them launching WMDs in a sense, you know, <laughs> fire and brimstone. And then we also see them using some kind of medical technology on people. They can blind people or, or cause people to be lose speech or heal people. And so there already is this idea in the Christian worldview of a higher species with more advanced technology. Now it's not necessarily you know, electronics or nuts and bolts or things. It's some other thing. <laughs> But I'm already like comfortable with that. Like I'm comfortable with us not being the apex species because it really comes down to what you said, Colin, that, that we believe that there is a loving God that has a plan for humanity, not only for humanity, but for each individual person. I love Psalm 8 where it says, when I, when I look at the heavens and I consider your works, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You know, as Stephen said, we're not just simply this, ooh, look how big the universe is, and we're just a speck on a speck, but we we have a God that cares about us as individuals, and that's what, for me at least, puts the universe into perspective. I want to talk about, briefly touch on some other stories that are really in the background for all these conversations. You, you I can't help but thinking of. So this Admiral Wilson saga uh, started in 1997. Well, what, what happened a year before that? is the, the movie Independence Day. I, I don't want to talk about necessarily the alien invasion part, but it's when the president goes to Area 51 and he sees the the crashed UFO that they've reverse engineered. And he, he says to his uh, chief of staff, I think, or the head of the CIA, can't remember, he says, why didn't you tell us about this? And the, uh, the deep state guy says, well, because you didn't have a need to know. And then he just punches his lights out or whatever after that. So I, I feel like it's it's just crazy that that happened a year before this this meeting between uh, Wilson and Mitchell and these other guys. You can't like separate that, right? Like that is such a part of our culture. You mentioned the X Files. You know that there's this shadowy cigarette man that kind of knows everything. Men in Black that they had the uh, Roswell UFO uh, up 
hidden in plain sight all along. You know, they had the secret program, but then they had the, the, the actual UFO there up on a sign or something. And so it's just so interesting to me that all these um, shows in the 90s really tie into what, you know, the, this reported story is all about. And I actually have a really interesting parable about what's going on right now in light of the release of Independence Day. When I was in seventh grade, I went on a three-week exchange to Chile. And so that was over Christmas break because it's opposite season, Southern Hemisphere. So I went down there for three weeks with a delegation. We all stayed with a family. Then they came up here in the summer. And we got down there and Chile had actually done very similar things to what our government has done recently in investigating things that their Air Force was witnessing and basically coming out and saying these things are real. We don't know what they are, but it led to a culture in Chile where, you know, we would go to the bookstores and there was alien books everywhere. And so Mm -hmm. we arrive in this country where the government has said these things are real. People talk about it and they're not crazy tinfoil hat people. And then most of us didn't speak Spanish, but all of a sudden ads for Independence Day come on while we're down there. And two of the young ladies I went down with freaked out and wanted to call home because they thought the ad was like, you know, live broadcast from the news. And here, these major cities... (laughs) <laughs> oh wow so we got a little war of the world's radio effect okay wow the, these major cities are being incinerated by these huge flying saucers after we just arrive in a country where you know they're talking about ufos being real and so they had yeah that uh, um, war of the world's effect where they were freaking out for a moment until their host family explained that's an ad for independence day so that that even goes to show where you know, fact and fiction can blend together and then people's minds go wild. Well, what's about to happen next? D- does this mean everything I've ever seen in a crazy sci-fi movie is actually true? Yeah. And it, it's interesting how a lot of these movies, they have this, um, I mean, I, I, Independence Day says it so directly where the, uh, I think it's the British soldiers are like, they get the message over Morse code and they're like, it's the Americans. They have a plan. And then the other guy says, oh, it's about time. And it's like, that's right. America's in charge of the world and we're going to save everyone. Yeah. And so it's very patriotic. You know, I love it. Yeah. It's great. America. But yeah. th- that, that, that very much plays into this idea of sovereignty that we talked about at the beginning is that we want to believe whatever is out there, we can beat it, mm-hmm. you know, that we can overcome it. And we, will be the galactic superpower, not just the, the world superpower, but that we will be the, the apex you know, fe- species, the federation. Um, and it's interesting how there's a lot of other lesser known uh, movies and shows that have the opposite worldview. That there's a Nicolas Cage movie, uh, mid-2000s, called Knowing. And it's about uh, receiving these secret messages from, I mean, Spoiler alert! If you want to see this, I don't. I don't really recommend this movie, so I don't think you're going to miss anything. But essentially, there's aliens that know the Earth is about to get blowed up by the sun, and they want to rescue certain people. And so it's like, here's this, here's this message about what to do to get rescued. It's really creepy. The the, the movie is very weird, but uh, but at the end, it's like, yeah, the Earth gets blown up, 
and that's it. <laughs> yep. And, uh, and, but you know, thank goodness these, these kind aliens came and whisked away a few people in their sort of UFO Noah's Ark kind of thing. That's not the first rapture movie in which uh, Nicholas Cage would have starred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so speaking of syncretism, I, I did want to get to this uh, while, while uh, you're here, Colin, uh, Zach had found, uh, Zach's been revitalizing the, uh, the YouTube account for Lorehaven in this podcast. It's not among our most popular platforms for distribution, but we do see some comments there occasionally. And, uh, one of them Zach found, uh, this technically is our comm station here. We'll just get to that while you're still here. One of them is from a chap called, uh, here's another military acronym, I suppose, uh, DJM Pro. Uh, he had commented on YouTube for our episode uh, 63, which is titled, Did God Create Aliens and Would Jesus Need to Save Them? Uh, this one's one of our favorite episodes, by the way, because we go over uh, a few ways that if aliens existed, they would harmonize with the gospel. Uh, and each one of these is a, you know, an approach within Orthodox Christianity. And uh, Zach and I had uh, what I felt was a really good, uh, helpful discussion there, trying to put it all per in perspective. Uh, I can only hope that this reader, however, had actually uh, listened to the show. Uh, nonetheless, uh, he or she said, quote, you both haven't watched any of the videos or looked up the case files where people have seen UFOs and had contact with aliens. Do the research. I'm a Christian and there is aliens living among us. Do the research. God created the universe. Aliens built the pyramids. Aliens are not satanic or demonic. God created everything. Aliens included, end quote. Um, if, if I may, I don't want to sound pejorative here. I want to respect our listener and thank you for listening if you did. But that to me illustrates uh, a, another danger of this, uh, not just a, a godless attitude that sees aliens in some kind of a savior role, uh, either that or an attitude that sees aliens as a threat that will unify humanity and then we'll get to grab all their technology and use that against them. Yay, America. <laughs> uh, the third threat that I see here uh, is, is what I can only describe as syncretism. Uh, the Bible apparently is all about aliens uh, and not about, you know, Jesus Christ and his mission to save fallen dead in sins men and reclaim his world. Uh, aliens are living among us. They built the pyramids. Like some of this, I think it just, to me, this illustrates why this topic has so many dangers. And this one is the secretistic danger. And I think that's an artifact of the fact that whatever's going on has been kept secret. And so if you're not releasing the facts and good information to people, they fill in the blanks. And yeah. then their minds go wild. Uh, if you even look at the Enlightenment period, right, when science was first developing, all sorts of cults and secret societies were exploding at that time because of the revolution in knowledge and our approach to knowledge and technology. And so things today, right, that we take for granted and we don't see it as being any sort of significant thing to the Christian worldview, like heliocentrism, the fact that the earth goes around the sun. Well, that was a minority position, and most people who did hold to it were part of these mystery schools and secret societies. And so if you were someone who is interested in wanting to study whether or not the earth revolves around the sun, as a Christian might go, oh, are you, well, are you into that weird stuff? Are you a heretic? It's like, no, this is a scientific question. And then once the science was settled with good information, uh, you know, no one even remembers that the, the first people who were making a heliocentric argument were part of these, you know, Renaissance pagan revival cults. And, and so I think anytime you have either knowledge that's hidden or obscured 
or maybe a culture is going through a paradigm shift, people's minds go in all sorts of crazy directions. But I think as Christians, we can have epistemological confidence that God's sovereign over everything. We're going to stay grounded in scripture. We're not going to reinterpret scripture in light of what people supposedly think is going on. And then we can face reality as it is, right? And continue meeting at church every Lord's Day and doing what we do and and serving our Lord and preaching the gospel. Amen to that. Amen to that. Yeah, I would agree with our listener here that God certainly has created everything. And if aliens do exist, they certainly fall under that category of things God created, which is that is everything except himself, clearly. Uh, I I don't think that uh, we're going to be doing any amount of research that's going to show decisively that aliens built the pyramids or even that aliens are not satanic or demonic. It's a little early to rule that out. Uh, the, The devil is in some way the prince of power of the air. And that's where some of these phenomena are being observed. Uh, I also know no research that shows conclusively that there are aliens living among us, uh, unless they are the, uh, the Slavine or into the other aliens from Doctor Who who can shapeshift or uh, the Dominion founders from DS9 who are uh, changelings. Like, I think that goes a little further uh, beyond uh, what research today would show. Amen. <laughs> and, I, and I'm struck by the imperative uh, from that comment, Stephen. I'm glad you brought it up. You know, this imperative to do the research and to look at all these stories and these cases. Now, again, I'm I'm a big geek. I love to look into this stuff. But yeah, I've I've done the and you know, and I I gently reply to this this listener. You've done the research. (laughs) It's very clear. I I think that overall, as much as I enjoy it, it has much less importance to to the actual biblical message, the main topic of the Bible. You know, the Bible is not a vehicle to find these secrets of the universe. The Bible is the, the secret to the universe. You know, um, and I want to quote from Hebrews 1 here because I couldn't help but thinking about this. It says, quote, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. So right there. We know from Scripture that Jesus is the the full and the final revelation of God to us. We, we don't need to find, you know, this is sort of like when the Bible code became really big. We don't we yep. don't need to Amen. look to the Bible to reinterpret history or or look to the yep. future. Yep. And I you know I even kind of gently now push back against the the left behind stuff a little bit because I'm like, look, we we don't need to know everything that's going to happen. We need to trust the who that wrote the Bible. We need to trust God. But also the most important thing is that what it says here, the sun is the radiance that verse three, the sun S O N is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. So we, what we desperately need, what we need more than an advanced technology or the secrets of the deep state, we need the words of Christ because those are the exact representation of God, of, of the creator of the universe and whatever else that includes. And so I think that the the underlying issue that always comes up here is with, with a lot of things recently is sola scriptura or just the, the sufficiency of scripture to answer life's problems. Now, yes, we need science and technology. We need government. We need the military. We need all these things, but 
to make sense of life, we just need the words of God, like to just settle our own hearts, to find our purpose, to find our place in the universe. We just need the words of the Son, who is the exact representation of God who made the universe. Amen times 10, Zach. And I really appreciate that you went to the book of Hebrews. I recently re-listened to that book. Interestingly, the book of Hebrews, uh, Christians do not agree on who is the human author of Hebrews. Some say Paul, some speculate about Apollos or some other names that you get mentioned in the New Testament. Whatever it is, it is God's word. And one thing I love about Hebrews is its explicit denial of the notion that Christianity is in some way a mystery religion. Uh, As the Apostle Paul would have said earlier, uh, God has revealed these things now by his spirit. You don't need to go back to uh, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, like, oh, it's a big mystery. We'll never know the secrets of the universe. You know, we got to find the answers somewhere else. Uh, no, don't go back to the worship of angels. Uh, don't go back to over-venerating the Old Testament saints. The book of Hebrews makes very clear when Christ arrives, as, as he has, uh, he now fulfills everything that those previous forecasters were talking about. So don't reject him. As the author of Hebrews says, like, don't act like you are holding him up to contempt as if you would crucify him all over again. Uh, that's going backward in the narrative. We can now move forward into the gospel of Christ's kingdom because he is the ruler. He has answered all the mysteries that we need to know. Uh, there's a few Easter eggs left, you know, the date of his return, uh, who wrote the book of Hebrews, things like that. You know, there, there's still enough unanswered questions to make things interesting, uh, but you don't need to go backwards into the Bible and then try to backfill everything uh, with some kind of uh, man-made conspiracy or, or mystery religions about aliens or hidden government secrets or anything like that. Well, Colin, it's been great talking to you about this. Uh, I, I hope the cover-up will not continue. I, I, I hope that there will be a little bit more uh, substance from Congress or whoever, because, uh, you know, it's like you said, it, it always helps to kind of know what's going on and it clears things up and it's fun to talk about. So maybe we'll get some more hearings. Maybe we'll get some more videos. We we shall see, but in the meantime, uh, it's fun, it's always fun talking to you. And um, of course, thank goodness that that we know the Creator of all things. We know Him by name. So thanks for coming to talk to us. Yeah, thanks for having me again. I really enjoyed that discussion, Zach. What about you, Zach? Zach, oh, he's not there. He got abducted again. Familial obligations strike once more, leaving me here flying this ship solo. As you heard, I was less talkative in that interview, and that is just because Zach and Colin know their stuff. I'm here maybe with you having all kinds of questions about what is going on, what happened in this committee? What are all these acronyms? Who are these people? If you have questions like that, do stop by the comm station. You can email us at podcast at lorehaven.com. Tag us on the socials. Share with us your super secret uh, abduction story, or maybe something happened to a friend of a cousin of a barber of a very highly placed source on Area 51. Well, yes, there is a Fantastical Truth YouTube channel, rather a Lorehaven YouTube channel, we post several of our Fantastical Truth episodes there. We're catching up. We're catching up. Those of you folks who like to watch a, a screen on YouTube and listen to us speak. Once again, DJ, thank you for your comment. I presume thank you for listening. I think Zach has certainly proven that, yes, he has watched the videos or looked up the case files. Zach knows his stuff. Even if I don't, Zach has done the research. And moreover, we have done our research, we hope, uh, based on scripture. 
I can affirm a few things you said there. Uh, God did create the universe. Uh, if aliens exist, then that would mean God created aliens one way or another. But I would say that the jury is still out on claims such as aliens building the pyramids or even the claim that aliens are not satanic or demonic. In every situation, are you sure? Uh, aliens are a mythology that people believe whether or not they're based in fact. And surely we know that because the devil is real, the devil will use any mythology, any fairy stories that people believe in, uh, any religious movements to take attention away from God and point attention to himself. Uh, he's not just out there scaring people. He is trying to lure people with his disguise as an angel of light. And the scripture specifically warns that Satan's going to look to you or his demons are going to look to you like something beautiful, something marvelous that's going to fulfill all of your hopes. I think it could be dangerous to suggest that aliens are not satanic or demonic ever. Uh, I think that's uh, too much of an overstatement. We don't know. Uh, there may be some cases where, who knows, maybe it's a real alien or maybe it's a demon pretending. Uh, it's just unwise, I think, to conclude that that absolutely cannot happen. But again, if aliens do exist and God created them, and I think that there were human beings that built the pyramids, though. I'm pretty sure about that one. But again, I really appreciate the comment. I, I do think, though, this leads me to quickly bounce off and remind myself, if not you all, uh, just some of the dangers of this topic. That doesn't mean we're going to shy away from it. I think we're in episode five or six of the Armies of the Aliens series on the, here on the podcast. Uh, but it is a dangerous topic simply because it can lead people into uh, distraction. I don't know what else to call it. Uh, the main purpose of the Bible is not to reveal the secrets about aliens or the other race out there that God has created on another planet or in another dimension. Uh, the Bible is absolutely focused on Christ's rescue of rebel, spiritually dead human beings for his glory. If you get distracted by the other creatures that might be out there somewhere, uh, I think you're failing to focus on the main theme of the Bible and reading stories with respect for their author's intent uh, and for the discipling that we get from these stories in order to glorify God. That is our purpose here at Lorehaven. That's why we explore the alien topic, not to discover some secret knowledge that's hidden in the pages of scripture, but to discover the gospel that God has revealed, that God has made plain. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, the apostle Paul writes, what no eye has seen nor ear heard or mind and conceived what God has revealed to them this by his spirit. Uh, that's a rough paraphrase there. Don't, don't stop at verse nine there as if God is still holding th something secret. He has revealed his gospel to his people, everything we need to know in order to know Jesus and to worship him and to have our lives changed. Now he has revealed that to his people by his spirit. There are no secrets in the Bible that we don't need to know. And we don't need to be distracted too much by even the alien topic as important as that is. Meanwhile, at Lorehaven this week, you can explore our continuous podcast series within a series called Armies of the Aliens. You can get that link in our show notes. If we didn't talk about that one alien-related thing that you really wish we had talked about, go in and look at that series. You will almost certainly find that we have addressed it there in that series. You can also hear one of our recent episodes, 105, about the novel Maxine Justice, Galactic Attorney. Uh, that's the most recent novel that we've explored in this case, uh, joined by guest author Daniel Schwabauer, who wrote the book. Uh, the book is about aliens. Aliens are in the book, but in this case, they are not invading. They are not building the pyramids. Uh, they are, in fact, corporate saboteurs, a very different kind of invasion there. And they tend to do their alien nonsense in the courtroom uh, instead of in the abduction chamber. 
you can get that link in our show notes. What if planet earth was invaded by hostile corporate aliens? Subscribe to Lorehaven. It is free to subscribe. You get the email updates for any category you want, new podcast reviews, articles, news, and of course, access to the Lorehaven Guild, our exclusive community on Discord, where we've just started a new book quest for July for George McDonald's Fantasties, the classic fairy tale romance for men and women going back to the 19th century, actually. George McDonald, big influence on C.S. Lewis. I'm really looking forward to this one. Next on Fantastical Truth, once again, I'm going to fly solo, and I don't even have Zach and or a guest in the interview this time. This is what I'm planning is an episode about freedom. I'm still coming off the Independence Day enjoyment freedom. We all say we believe in freedom. I haven't seen anybody out there saying, eh, boo, freedom, down with that sort of thing. But how does the Bible define freedom? And how do Christian fantasy fans find this virtue reflected and challenged in our favorite fictions? Now that my co-host Zachary Russell is taking to the free roads this July, I'll have to take over the studio and I will launch a solo show. I'm going to focus on Galatians 5.13, one of my favorite verses about freedom and responsibility, which brings to mind another quote from another hero. And that's one that all heroes must follow. With great freedom comes great responsibility. Meanwhile, perhaps you've been abducted by an alien. Perhaps you found the secret alien truth in the scripture or in the notes from a congressional subcommittee or perhaps even on Twitter. Maybe you found some really interesting stuff. I would just urge you, make sure that you keep that in perspective. Yes, it can be absolutely fun to figure this out, either theologically or by going over the evidence from military pilots and the videos and all of that. My caution and my encouragement is simply this. Just make sure you keep it in perspective. God has given us the desire to seek out this knowledge. It is his job to reveal it to us if there is anything to reveal. And I have no doubt that regardless of whether the U.S. Congress wants to disclose anything, God will disclose to us everything we need to know in his time as we continue to seek and find his fantastical truth. <laughs>